Hello and welcome to the Outpost Community Church Sunday Podcast. My name is Greg and we are currently going through a series in Matthew and we are so glad you tuned in. If you'd like to hear more about the vision and mission of Outpost Community Church, you can go to our website at outpostcommunity.org and you will find it there. Otherwise, we pray that you have a wonderful week of worship and that this message would inspire you to follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. My name is Brooklyn Williams. I'm, <laughs> I'm a part of the high school girls small group and senior girls community group here at Outpost Church. And I get to share my testimony with you this morning. <laughs> All right. It's safe to say that I was the definition of a pastor's kid. My grandpa was a pastor of a church plant in Idaho, and my dad went from being a kid's pastor there to a church here. My bedtime stories were Bible stories, and any problem I had growing up was met with prayer. For fun, I played Bible trivia and was often expected to know the answers. We moved to Cody when I was seven years old for my dad to pursue a job opportunity. Later that year, late one night, I gave my life to Christ and trusted him with my future. Life was great and I continued to learn about God for a couple of years, but after an incident at the church, my family had to leave the church. Our family struggled with church hurt for many years and personally I had a hard heart towards all the people involved and I struggled with understanding why God would let something like that happen. For most of my middle school years, my parents' marriage struggled. We had no church home, and I didn't bother surrounding myself with believers. Eighth grade year is my lowest point. I struggled with depression, gossip, arrogance, and the feeling of being a burden led to suicidal thoughts. The whole time while still being a Christian, yet never reading my Bible, confessing my sins, or seeing the problems in my own life. I'm so, so grateful to be raised in a Christian household, but it also had its negative impacts. I felt like I couldn't talk about how I was feeling and what I was struggling with. The summer between eighth grade and freshman year, by God's grace, I got out of my slump and regave my life to Christ. I realized two important things. One, that my relationship with Jesus when I was younger was really based on a relationship with the church and the church building. It wasn't until I was taken out of that environment and had to build a relationship on my own that I really got to know God. And two, the sanctity of life, including my own. Outpost was starting up and I got engaged with youth groups. I started actively following Christ and building up a Christ-centered community. Every day, I still have to remember to lean on God and not my own understanding, and I still struggle with arrogance and devoting daily, but God never stopped pursuing me, and that's why I'm here now. Good job. I love it. All right. Well, hey, uh, you just met Brooklyn. You met Jeremy earlier. Uh, my name's Addison, so I haven't been up here in a few months. Um, but I get the privilege to be on staff here at Outpost and get to pastor our students and help out with kids, which is a blast. Uh, I tell our leaders all the time that really what we're doing is investing in the future leaders of the church. That's really what we're doing. Uh, and so it's a privilege, it's a blast. Uh, I, to give you kind of some background, okay, so today is Student Sunday, so it's a little bit different. If you haven't noticed, we had a different team leading worship, which was two former students who are now in college, and then Nick and Jeremy, who's one of 13 of our student leaders who give up every Wednesday night for the past two years to invest in these students and to grow relationships with these students. Uh, and, and so there's really, like if you think about it, they're investing in the church by investing in the future generation of church leaders. And I really believe that. My hope and my prayer is that 
a, ki- a person downstairs right now in kids ministry is going to be leading outposts in 20 years. Uh, and y'all can pray for that and, and invest in that as well. But to give you some background for our students' ministry, I know some of y'all don't know what the heck we do. Uh, it's a little bit different than your maybe normal student ministry or what you grew up in. And so we actually only all meet together as a big group in here once a month. It's the first Wednesday of the month, and we call that base camp. And then the rest of the weeks in the month, we meet in what we call small groups. And these small groups are designed to carry out our mission. They're the primary way we carry out our mission and our vision as a student ministry, which is to have every student in Cody be known and accepted, taught about Jesus, and challenged to grow. Uh, And so these small groups meet in homes, uh, and they are led by two leaders who invest their time to know these students, which are, by the way, the small groups are divided by uh, gender and age, and these leaders are investing to have these students be known and accepted, taught about Jesus, and challenged to grow. And it is a gift. Uh, and the, my favorite thing that we've done this past year was on those base camps, when everybody's together, every single month, or almost every month, we've had a testimony by a student who comes up here and shares exactly what Brooklyn just did, and shares what God is doing and what God has done in her life. And, and let me just say, like, us as a church... Uh, I hear a lot sometimes there's like a, a negative connotation of that outpost shares stories or they share their dirty laundry. And let me just tell you, I want to be a church that shares our dirty laundry because God is glorified in our lives. And I want to be a person and I want to be a church who's not afraid to say where, what we were doing but how God has brought us through that. And isn't that a gift? All right, so let me pray. I kind of got on a tangent there. Let me pray, try to reel back in, and then we'll get going. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing in our students' lives, in our kids' lives. Thank you so much for the gift it is to get to worship you through talking about our sin, talking about our problems, talking about what you have done in our lives. And so I pray that us as a people can abide in you, can be dependent on you so that we can have uh, the joy that it is of life change and of sanctification. We love you. We thank you. We pray that you give me the words to teach your word. And I pray that we leave uh, with a bigger view of who you are and a heart that wants to follow you more and more. In your precious name, amen. All right. Well, Back when I was in college, so if you don't know me, I went to one of the best universities that ever existed. It's called Arkansas, okay? Thank you. Uh, Some people call it Harvard of the South. Uh, (laughs) And when I say some people, I I mean myself. Uh, And so I went to Arkansas, and and so my freshman year, so some background about me. I grew up in a private school about the same size as Cody High School. I graduated with 125 people in my grade. That's what I was used to. Well, I went to Arkansas, much bigger. And I took a class called Finite. It's this math class for business majors. And in that class, there were 200 people, which is a lot of people. Uh, and, And so because there were so many people, we had to do most things online. And so our homework was online, our quizzes were online, and our tests were online. Everything was run through online. And we still went to like a lecture, and we still had a room like this size, and we heard the teacher teach us, but everything that we did was basically online other than that. 
And, and so when it was test time, we would have a computer lab rented out, and we'd go to the computer lab, and we'd have a piece of paper and a calculator, and we'd sit there, and we'd log in, and we'd have a whole sheet of like how to log in with our info and the password for the test and all this stuff. And you'd get there at a certain time, and you'd start taking this test. Well, uh, the second test of that semester, I, I studied for, maybe not as much as I should have, but it should have been fine. So I studied for, for it, I go to the computer lab, I log in, I start taking this test, right? And uh, if you're very removed from high school or college, you're going to have to like turn the wheel back a little bit and try to remember this. Uh, but there's this weird, like when you're taking a test, there's this weird, like who's going to finish first, right? Like who's going to be the first to finish? Because usually the person who's first to finish is doing pretty good. Uh, I was never that person, but for some reason on that day, I was the first to finish. And so, you know, you're kind of like taking this test. It's going way better than I thought it was going to go. I'm pretty confident that I'm getting most of them right. And, and I get to the last question and I look up and I'm like, no one is done. Everybody's still grinding away. I'm like, all right, Addison, doing pretty good. Uh, and so I finish that question and the, the is my, it's still on? Okay. Uh, the great thing about online stuff is that when you finish it and you submit, it gives you your grade right away, which I love, because you don't have to be anxious for a week. And so I press submit, and I get a 96, which is far better than what I'm used to getting. Uh, and so I'm jazzed. I leave. I'm also the first one to finish, so I got a little pep in my step, and I leave uh, the computer lab, kind of like looking at everybody who's looking at me. And uh, I go back to my dorm and, you know, play video games, probably do whatever. And then later that night, uh, me and my buddies are about to go camping. And, and so we're getting ready. We're talking about where we're going to go. We're packing up all the stuff. And I get a notification on my phone, uh, which was interesting because it was an email. But it was an email from my finite math class professor. And that was strange because I didn't know this guy at all. There were 200 people in this class. And the email said hey, Addison, can you in the next 24 hours stop by my office? Okay, that's not the email you want <laughs> right before you're about to go camping. And so I don't know uh, what I did. I'm like, I don't go camping. And then um, first thing in the morning at like 7 a.m., I go to his office. And I'm like, hey, I'm Addison. I'm the guy you emailed. He goes, oh, sit down. Sit down. And he goes, hey, I have a quick question. Uh, why didn't you take the test yesterday? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? What, why didn't I take the test? I did take the test. I got a 96 on the test. I was the first one to finish on this test. And he goes, uh, you have a zero on the test. And, and so uh, we try to get to the bottom of it. He logs in. He looks up to my profile, which I'm like, why didn't you do this earlier? But he looks up my profile and all this stuff. Here's what happened. Is, uh, turns out I'm an idiot, and I took the practice test. Okay, I did get a 96 on that practice test, though. Uh, and so I took the practice test. It ended up being okay. Like, the, he let me retake the test, and I don't know what I got. It wasn't a 96, but uh, it ended up being fine. And, uh, you know, I got a fine grade, and then uh, I still could feel somewhat good about a 96 on a practice test. But here's why I'm telling you this story. It's because there are people in here, to be completely honest, who are going through their Christian life and they're taking the practice test. They're not taking the real thing. They're missing out on what could be in their life. 
And here's the thing, if the professor never emailed me, I would have had a zero on that test. And I promise you, you don't want to get to the end of your life and look back at what you've done and have a zero on your test. And so what we're talking about today is not missing the mark. What we're talking about today is actually abiding in God. Here's the thing, is so many of us go to church on Sundays, youth on Wednesdays, whatever it is, we check our box, we can even read our Bible in the morning for 10 minutes and feel great about it, but guess what? We often leave Jesus out of it, and when we leave Jesus out of it, we're missing the whole point. It's gotta be about Jesus. And the way that we connect with him is abiding with him. And that's what we're talking about today. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to John 15. And we're going to read just five verses, and we're going to go through it. And, and we're going to learn, hopefully, what it looks like to really abide with Jesus, not miss the mark, not waste our life, and not take the practice test. John 15, 1 through 5 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, do, that, he, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, here's the thing. Before we dive really deep into verses 1 through 5, I want to address one thing, which is just this word abide. Because I think that, especially in Christian circles, what we've done with this word is kind of stripped it of its meaning. We throw that word around... To, to honestly, I think sometimes, at least I have before, to make myself sound smart. But what we do when we do that is we have that word lose its meaning. And so I don't think, to be honest, that a lot of us can actually tell uh, each other and explain to each other what abiding, what that word abide really means. And so I looked it up. There's a great resource called gotquestions.org. Uh, and, and here's what gotquestions says about abiding. It says, to abide is to live, continue, or remain. So, to abide in Christ is to live in him or remain in him. And so here's the thing that we've got to understand, guys, is that abiding is way more than just a quiet time in the morning. Abiding is to be with him. It's to continue and remain in him. The definition on the screen that I'm going to say is, uh, is abiding is being with Jesus and continuing with Jesus. And are we really doing that? And here's the thing. Why is it important? It's important because verse 5 is true. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And I, I actually heard it on a podcast about two weeks ago, and I, and I went back and wrote the quote down because I think it's so good. It says this, If we really live in a fallen world with a spiritual war going on all around us, temptations around the corner, and things constantly trying to pull us away from the truth, then abiding with Christ is more than just a quiet time. Abiding with Christ is a means to survival. So here's my first point. Abiding is a means to survival. 
Are you with God? Here's the thing. We live in a world, like it just said, that's filled with lies. Temptations are around the corner. We live in a world that's trying to set traps for us. It is setting traps for us. And, and do you know how you know what a crooked line is? You know what a crooked line is because you know what a straight line is. And we know what lies are because we need to be grounded in truth. When we know what truth is, we'll easily see the lies and we'll see the traps. But the problem is, if we're not grounded in truth, if we're not abiding in Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, then we're going to have a hard time figuring out what the lies are. It's a means to survival. We've got to ground ourselves in truth. We've got to hide the word of God in our heart, and we've got to know what it says. We've got to have the direction. Look, man, God loves you so much, and he's so much in control that he knows everything about you. And it's not just you, but it's everything out there, man. He designed everything. The mountains, the trees, he designed everything. And if that's true, he knows you better than you know you. And he just gave you a book explaining how we should live and operate. And it's a gift to us. It's not a set of rules. He wants what's best for us. And so we've got to ground ourselves in that and live our life as that being the roadmap, not whatever we think is best. John Piper, when it comes to abiding, says this. Abiding is trusting in Jesus, remaining in fellowship with Jesus, connecting to Jesus so that all that God is for us through Jesus is flowing in us like a life-giving sap into our lives. Would you describe that as your life? What Jesus is and can be for you in your life is coming out of you, flowing in you like a life-giving sap. And here's the opposite, and it's a warning to us, not to scare us. But I think a lot of us can easily get into the spot where we're going through the motions, we're showing up on Sunday, we're wearing button-downs, we're going to community group, we're going to all these things that we're told we ought to do, but we look in our life, and 10 years ago, nothing's that different. And if that's you, you've got to ask yourself, are you really abiding with Jesus? You just heard a testimony of what God does. That's what our God does is he changes our life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. That's what our God does. But he doesn't do that through programs. He doesn't do that just on Sunday mornings. He does that through you abiding with him, spending time with him. He's the one that changes things, not us, not region, not youth ministry. It's God in our lives that will lead to life change. And so you can't just show up on Sunday mornings and expect your life to be different. You've got to be spending time with Christ. Are we abiding with God? Verse 4 says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit, by itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you unless you abide in me we've got to see something in verse 4 which is abiding is not just 10 minutes in the morning abiding is your whole life my second point is this abiding is constant it is not temporary here's the thing though is that we are conditioned to think that 15 minutes, if we read in the morning for 15 minutes, 
we're really doing good. And if we pray before meals, then we're also doing good. And other people should look at us and be jealous of how uh, godly we are. And we're missing the point. It's not about 10 minutes in the morning. It's a constant abiding with Christ. It is constant. It is not temporary. Here's the thing. It's another warning. Is if that's you and you're praying for, uh, you know, twice a day, right before meals, and it's, you know, uh, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for this grub. If that's your prayer, let me just tell you, you're missing out. Uh, that was kind of funny, but then I made it a serious point. Uh, <laughs> hey, if you're just praying before meals and spending, you know, five minutes in the morning praying again, I'm telling you, you're missing out, and you're probably taking the practice test because God didn't die just for you to pray before meals. Man, God died for Jesus, died for your sins so that you can have a relationship with him. He wants to know you. And here's the thing, by the way, talking about the practice test, is I've been now in youth ministry for about three, a little bit over three years. And before that, I was with college students. Before that, I grew up in a youth ministry. And, and my generation's the one that's leaving the church, and so let me be a spokesperson for them. The generation that's leaving the church, the number one reason why we're leaving the church is because we're growing up in the idea that we have of Christianity is the practice test, is this game. And let me be the first to say, if that's what Christianity is, is showing up on Sundays with a button down and looking good for about five hours and then going and doing whatever the heck I want to do for the rest of the week, that's not what I want to do with my life. We've got to get rid of this idea that Christianity is on Sundays. Christianity is so much more than Sunday morning. Christianity is everything, man. And abiding is not just a quiet time either. Abiding is constant. I tell my students this. I say there's a difference between walking with Jesus and sitting with Jesus. A lot of us are pretty good at sitting with Jesus for 10 minutes and then doing whatever we want. But there's a difference with walking with Jesus. Walking with Jesus is in everything that we do. The other thing is that I don't think we really realize verse 5 is true. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, there's a lot of times that I'm tempted or just do spend that time in the morning and then I leave God. It's almost like, hey God, you can sit here. Let me go make the decisions that I want to make. Let me go live the day, like whatever I want to do. I know what's best for me. I know the decision I can make financially. I know the decision I need to make for my family. I know all of these things. And so God, you sit here and wait for me to have lunch so I can pray with you for five minutes. And we don't really believe that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can say, apart from him, I can do a good amount. I think that I can make enough money. I think I can do all of these things. We don't really believe that apart from him, we can do nothing. We've got to have that belief at a core level. And here's the other thing, is that a lot of us, well, I guess we'll teach it in, I don't know, a few months uh, but Matthew 19, Matthew 19 talks about the rich young ruler. And in this story, Jesus is giving a warning. 
And what happens is this guy comes to Jesus. He goes, man, I want to follow you, Jesus. You're awesome. Will you disciple me? Can I follow you? And Jesus goes, yeah, you can follow me, but it's going to be harder for you. You're going to have to drop everything you have and come after me. And what does he do? He puts his head down and walks back because he doesn't want to give up what he has. The whole point of the story is a warning. Hey, if you're rich, if you have resources, if you uh, live in a worldly abundance, it's going to be harder for you to follow Christ. And what we don't realize, maybe it's a lie, is how rich we really are. If you make $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the world. Here's the thing is that we don't feel like we're rich because we're looking at Elon Musk or whatever. We are rich. And that warning is applying to us. That warning applies to you. We have so many resources. And by the way, it's not just money. It can be giftings, talents, whatever. It's so easy to get in the mindset of, yeah, I know I need to drop everything and follow you, God, but have you seen how good I am in basketball? Like, I, I can have everything I want. All right? I deal with this in high school, with high schoolers, right? Yeah, I know, but have you seen how attractive I am? I can get any girl I want to. And that's where their focus goes. And here's the thing. It's so easy for us to live in this mindset. It's entirely plausible for someone in America to go their entire life and never be in a situation where their desperation and need for Jesus is abundantly clear. That is entirely plausible. And I'm telling you it's a trap. And that's why he gives us the rich young ruler story. He's telling us that it's going to be hard for us to follow Christ. So here's the point I'm trying to make. If the goal is for us to constantly be abiding with Jesus, not temporarily abiding with Jesus, but constantly, then the problem is that we live in a setting that gives us an illusion that we don't need Christ. That's the problem. And so what's the solution? Well, the solution is we need to put ourselves in positions to remember and remind ourselves that we are completely and constantly dependent on Christ. When we realize that verse 5 is true and that apart from him we can do nothing, then it will lead us to a spot that we are completely dependent on Christ. We realize our dependence on Christ. We already are, but we have the illusion that we're not. When we realize how dependent we truly are with Christ, it'll lead us into a spot of constant abiding because we're going to realize that we can't do anything apart from him. And so to order, in order to do anything, we've got to be abiding with Christ. Not only that, but we also need to be meditating on what is true. Uh, a few weeks ago, Brad Yates, who was up here, said something that I thought was genius. I've been thinking about it for a while. It says, he said that what modern psychology is, all it's doing is really just catching up with what the Bible says. And that is so true. And if you go look up what the big thing right now in modern psychology is, it's meditation. It's talking about how we need to meditate and all this stuff. Hey, here's the thing. is that we need to meditate on God's word, and it tells us this. We need to fill our mind with what's true. When we fill our mind with what's true, we're going to realize our dependence on Christ. We're going to realize who we really are, and it's going to lead us into abiding with him. We got to fill our minds with what is true. And here's the thing about that solution, if it's behind me. 
the solution to put ourselves in positions to remember and remind ourselves of our dependence on Christ. Here's the thing about that, is that we've got to make that decision before we're in the war. We've got to make that decision now. Because what's going to happen is we'll leave this place with this idea of, oh, I just need to do better. Or I just need to abide better or abide more. But when we leave here, there's traps set all around for us. And if we don't have a time and a place and a plan, it's just going to be the same thing over and over again. So we've got to decide that we're going to make an effort and intentionality to abide with Christ now. We cannot wait. If we wait, it's too late. So let me ask you, do you actually feel like you are with Christ? If I asked you on Wednesday afternoon, hey, do you feel like Christ is with you? Or are you remaining in him? What would you say? We've got to remind ourselves to abide with him. Who's around you? What's around you? What distracts you from abiding with Christ? What do you get too busy with? Which I think, by the way, we don't see it, but busyness now in our culture is almost a virtue. That's how we act. There's a reason why when you ask somebody how they're doing or what they've been up to, they always go, oh, you know, I'm just so busy. And probably half of you aren't that busy. But there's a reason. Like, no, genuinely, when I'm asked how my life has been, there's something in me that wants to say that I'm busy. And it's because what we've done in our culture is flipped busyness into something that is bad, but we've made it something that everybody wants to be. There's a reason. Uh, I read a book last year, and it talked about this. There's a, uh, if you look at watch commercials, watch commercials are designed to be like the most successful person to have, that, that successful person has the watch, right? Okay, if you look 20 years ago, a watch commercial was on a beach, and it zoomed in on somebody sitting at the beach with a you know, bathing suit on, drinking a beer, and then it zoomed in on the watch. Do you know what it is now? It's a, sky rise, uh, a high-rise building in Manhattan in the middle of a business meeting. And that's the idea of success. What I'm trying to say is that we make busyness such a big thing that we fill our lives with random things that take us away from abiding with Christ. And now, I'm not saying that being busy is just negative, but I will say that busy is negative when you leave Christ out of it or you're too busy for God. If you're too busy for God, you've got to go and reassess your priorities. And so what do we get busy with? What distracts us? And the other thing is that we've got to get back to this idea of long obedience in the same direction. We're also conditioned as a society, and really my generations when it started, uh, we're conditioned with this idea of immediate gratification. We like to do things now and get the reward for that as soon as we're done. And we lose this idea of long obedience in the same direction, which is what our Christian walk is. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Fruit happens over time. It's not a momentary thing. And so abiding with Christ is the thing. We've got to be attached to the vine. Like, listen to John 1 through 5. We are the branches, but if we're disattached from the vine, we're not going to bear fruit. And that's that stagnant Christianity I was talking about earlier. So we've got to be attached to the vine, and we can't expect things to happen overnight. We can't expect everything in our life to be up and to the right. 
which is prosperity, gospel, which is not reality. Look, verse 2, God does prune us. That's part of it. But over time, in a long obedience of the same direction, we bear fruit. And here's the thing, Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, uh, oh boy, did I write it? Nope. Romans 12, 2 says, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that by testing you may discern what is good, right, and holy. So here's the thing. We can't be conformed to this world, which a lot of us are conformed to this world more than we think we are. So we got to be, we got to fight against that. How do we fight against that? By constantly renewing our mind. We got to be transformed by renewing our mind. What does that look like? It looks like meditating on God's word day and night. It looks like abiding with him constantly, not temporarily. So do we really renew our mind? Or do we just leave Sunday mornings thinking that's enough and then we can go and do whatever we want to do? Or we can go try our best. Man, let me tell you what your best is. Your best is abiding with Christ. Your best is realizing your need and dependence for Christ in your life. That's your best. Let's be Romans 12.2 people. Let's be a Romans 12.2 church. Let's be a Romans 12.1 church that we can live as a living sacrifice, which is everything in our life. And so what I'm going to do now is kind of transition into this last uh, kind of point, and it's going to be a little bit different. What I want to do is give you some practical things. And so we've talked about why we need to abide, what it looks like to abide, our need for being dependent on Christ or realizing our dependence on Christ. But now I want to give you some practical things that you can leave and put into practice. And so how do we abide? Well, the first way, there's the easy answers, right? There's the spiritual disciplines. We got to uh, read our Bible. We got to pray in the morning or pray in general. And then we've got to memorize scripture. And let me be the first to tell you, Maybe I'm going to say something that makes you feel known and free, hopefully, is that there's a lot of mornings that I wake up and read my Bible, and I leave and I don't feel like a new person. And guess what? That's okay. But it's a spiritual discipline, and God calls me to do it, and I know that the Word of God is living and breathing and active in my life, and so I am doing that and disciplining myself to do that, knowing that it's a long obedience in the same direction. But you know something on the opposite end of that that gives me so much life is memorizing scripture. There's something about hiding God's word in my heart that makes me feel like a new person. And so uh, some of them might be easier for you and some of them may not be as easy. But here's the thing, they're disciplines for a reason. And we need to dig that well so that when it rains, we have a place to have water. And so discipline ourselves to do these things. The next thing I I put, which is a spiritual discipline, but I put an emphasis on it, is constant prayer. We've got to be constantly in prayer with Christ. And maybe that looks different for you. Maybe it is uh, setting alarms throughout the day. Maybe it's not saying amen. So you have a mindset that God is with you always. But we need to discipline ourselves to pray more and pray constantly. The next 
one, let me ask you a question and ask yourself this question. What is something that makes you love God more? Find the answer to that and then add that to your life. Add that to your schedule. Why wouldn't you? Another question, how and when do you feel most intimate with Christ? Whatever that thing is, for me it's memorizing scripture. Add that more and more to your schedule. And here's the other thing, is put up distractions. And I'm saying this to myself more than most of y'all. Y'all know how many times I get distracted. I'm trying to spend my time with Christ. I'm trying to pray to God, but I get a notification on my phone. And now I'm just like 10 minutes have gone by, and all I've done is scroll on Facebook. We've got to put up distractions. Listen, two weeks ago, I didn't do good about, uh, with it this past week, but two weeks ago, I started uh, putting my phone up. So I use my phone for work. I need it. Uh, and so I'll have my phone here at the office, and when I go home, I'll switch it to a dumb phone, and all I can do on this dumb phone is call people and text. And let me tell you what happened when I left my phone here and I had the dumb phone at home, is I was more uh, present with my family, I was more present with my kid, and I felt closer to God. And all it comes down to is that I limited distractions. So let's be people that disciplines ourselves. It is a discipline to limit distractions. You will be shocked how God works in that. Uh, and here's the thing that it comes down to as I kind of wrap up a little bit. It comes down to two, I'll say three things. The first is we do need to discipline ourselves. I've said that word about 20 times in the past five minutes. It's because it's important. We need to be people who discipline ourselves to abide with Christ. Because if we just think we're going to abide better, the world's going to grab a hold of us. I've tried that over and over again. We need to discipline ourselves to abide with Christ. And the other thing is this. We've got to remember the gospel. We've got to remember what Jesus did for us and who he is. Listen, guys. God sent his son down to earth to live a perfect life. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Whoever uh, confesses that he is Lord will have eternal life. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins as a sacrifice for you, then three days later rose again. If you believe in that truth, you have eternal life. And if we remember that truth, we should want to abide with Christ. Like if we are people who say that is true and say that the gospel is true and say that Jesus is who he says he is, how in the world does it make any sense for us to then live our life in a way that we're doing whatever we want to do? We have access to talk to that God who did that for you, who you were dead in your trespasses and now you have eternal life, death to life. That's what he did for you. And you have access to talk to him and to have a relationship with him. And if we say that we believe that and we say that's true and then we don't do anything about it, what does that say about what we really believe?
What a gift it is to have a relationship with that God. What a gift it is to get to abide with Jesus. What a gift it is to share that news with other people. That's why we do what we do as Christians. It isn't because we ought to. It's not because my pastor told me to. It's not because, like, I don't go to Sundays just because I want to feel good about myself. I do all these things because Jesus died for me. I share the gospel because I look at my own life and I know that Jesus took a porn addict and he changed his life. Now he's on a stage talking to you. And if that's true and that's really what he did for me, man, I want every one of y'all to know that. And I want every one of y'all to believe it at a deep level. And I know that there are people sitting here who think that they're too far gone for Jesus. And that's not true. There is no one too far gone for Jesus. What our God does is that he takes broken people and through his spirit changes them into redeemed people. And he uses us for his glory. And I'm telling you, you want to be a part of that. There is no greater joy in my life than being a part of it. And so we've got to make a decision, guys, to ask ourselves who we think Jesus really is. Who do you think Jesus really is? That's the question you've got to answer, and that's the question that's going to change your life, depending on how you answer it. There's nothing more important than that. Your job wavers in comparison to that. Your money wavers in compa- comparison to that. Everything does. That's the only thing that's important. It changes the entire direction of how we live our life and why we live our life. And so, guys, I'm telling you, if you haven't answered that question, you need to answer it. Who do you say Jesus is? And so as the worship band comes up here, I want to remind us of what's important. If you're someone who's in here and you answered that question, you say, I know who God is. He's the savior of my life. And maybe as time has gone past, you've gotten lackadaisical or you've forgotten the importance of abiding with him. Man, today is your day. Now's your time to make a plan on how you can abide with him. And if you're doubting what I'm saying is true, make a plan, abide with God this next week and see how it changes your life. I'm telling you, it will be night and day. We got to remember the gospel. We got to remember what Jesus has done in our life. Out of that, we got to remember that verse five is true, that apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can bear fruit. And with him, we can live the abundant life that it talks about. And so let's remind ourselves of the gospel. Let's remind ourselves of our dependence on Christ. And let's be people who abide with God. And when we abide with God, let's share the stories of what he does in and through us. Like Brooklyn did. Let's be people who get after it. Who really believe what we say is true. Because I'm telling you it is. Let me pray. Lord. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. I pray that this week we abide more and more in you. I pray that this week we remember our dependence. We know our dependence on you. And out of that dependence, we realize that weakness is our advantage. And so I pray that we stop trying to white-knuckle it and figure it out ourselves and that we can be completely and utterly dependent on you. Help us get to that point. I pray for my friends in the room who do not know what they say or who they say that you are. I pray that your spirit moves you to a work in their heart that reveals to them who you are. Open their eyes, Lord. And God, I pray that we remember how good you are to us and how much you love us. No one is too far gone for you. And thank you for that truth. In your precious name, amen. school girls small group and